Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. to be with you. I was realizing this morning when I was frantically texting Ophelia about how it works to talk to people in person that I have not talked to someone in person in 19 months or something. (laughs) I give a lot, I talk a lot, um, but apparently only to myself on a tiny Zoom screen. Um, So I'm grateful to see your faces and I'm especially glad that we are now vaccinated enough that some people have maskless faces. So I can see what you actually think, which makes my life easier. Um, Sarah asked me to, Sarah and I were talking about some disaster at some point over the past six months. And um, we got talking about some of the thoughts related to this series. And that sort of planted a seed in her mind and a seed in my mind about some ways, some, some ideas that I have that I could share with you all. So a little background about me, I'm Katie. I've been a member of this community for maybe six years, Um, though the last two years we barely attend. (laughs) I'm trying to herd the small children cats to Zoom is very challenging. And so I'm really, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I still consider in my heart I'm a member even if I have not seen your faces on the computer. Um, Right before what we call in our family the germs, Um, I was finishing up a degree at Union Theological in New York and was an intern with Pope Gateway and preaching with you all regularly, hanging out, leading worship, and then everything sort of shut down. I got ordained as an Episcopal priest last fall, uh, but what that means in my life has remained relatively vague uh, because of germs, as we mentioned. (laughs) My day job is that I've been the director of the U.S. Disaster Program for the Episcopal Church's Disaster Relief and Development Arm for the past long time, 11 years, maybe 12. And before that, I ran the gutting and rebuilding work in New Orleans. And if you guess my age, you're right. That has been basically my entire adult life (laughs) doing disaster stuff for the church. So that's, I think, why Sarah thought that it would be helpful for me to talk with you all today. So part of preaching at Hope Gateway is you pick a passage. And I'm sure I made Ophelia's life wonderful this week because I actually picked 17 passages. (laughs) And then I would unpick them. And then I would pick a new passage. And then I would unpick that. And we went around and around and around. And we finally settled on a chunk of the text of Matthew. Because it's actually the mission statement of my organization, I've avoided reading it. I get tired of it. It's in all of our fundraisers. I find it sort of annoying, I'm saying, to the internet for posterity. (laughs) But as I thought about what I wanted to say today, I realized it actually, they picked it for a reason. And it actually has a lot to teach us as we think about what it means to be good helpers. So now I'm going to find Margaret and Ophelia. We're going to help to share this story really quick. So I have to figure out the mics again. 
Come, you that are blessed by God, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And he will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. So hopefully it's probably a somewhat familiar story or at least some familiar verses. It comes from this chunk. Did we just die again? I touched something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get fixed. It comes from this chunk. I can just yell. <laughs> probably then the internet can hear me. Yeah, they can. They can hear yelling too. Okay, great. Well, just yell. It comes from this chunk of the Gospel of Matthew where he's talking about righteousness and judgment and like what it means. like. What's going to be the folks that are categorized as the righteous versus the unrighteous? It's on. And now it's on. So I'll move back over here and not yell. And so he says, which we just heard, he's, he's saying, well, you know, who's going to be in the righteous camp and who's going to be not in the righteous camp? And he, the people get separated, the righteous and the not righteous. And Jesus says, so you were, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. I was naked. I was sick. I was in prison and you helped me. And the people are like, no, we didn't. <laughs> what? We missed that. We never actually did that for you. And he says, or the zinger, um, just as you did for the least of these, you did to me. And they all look stunned, I assume. So first I want to, I purposely chose the translation that includes the word least, because I think it's worth us sitting with for a second. Um, what does least mean? This is not a trick question. What does least mean? Not as much. Yes, not as much. What else? Least. Least reminds you of smallest. smallest. Yeah, sort of pathetic, right? Like there's the least over there, which implies that we're the most. It is not coincidental that some imperial translator, you picked that word. We have to remember if I, I sort of dug up a bunch of biblical scholars that I will not bore you with, but it doesn't have to be least. It means the most vulnerable. It means the humble. It means those left behind by systems of oppression. We have to remember, so for those of us, you know, myself included, that walk around the world as a white person in 21st century US, I walk around as the most and I read what the least are up to in the news. Like that's, I'm mostly, so hearing this story where it's sort of constructed as a like me most, them least, that works for me. But we have to remember that Jesus would have been talking as a least of the empire to other people who were the least of the empire. So it's not set up as a distancing word. So you have to sort of put all of that least stuff behind. This is not a lady bountiful kind of story. This is about, so if we in instead think of that phrase as 
just as you did to the vulnerable in your community, just as you did to you in your most vulnerable moments, you did to me. Like they are me, we are me. We're all in this vulnerable soup together. So I always heard this story, and this is why I didn't want to pick it, and I made Ophelia's life a mess this week. I've always read this as an indictment to do more. For those of you who have heard me preach, I read many texts as indictments to do more. And that, so insofar as I didn't give the coat off my back, insofar as I took myself out to dinner and didn't use that money to donate to some worthy cause, I will end up in the bad camp. But this is a goading me to do more story. But as I was reading it, if Jesus is saying that he is there, might it not be kind of worthwhile then to recognize the capacity of Jesus in the folks that we're actually trying to help? If Jesus is there, that means that all of God's capacity, all of God's potential, God's spirit, God's wisdom, God's love, that's all there too. It's not me the most and them the least and me helping them. Jesus is saying, I'm there, like I'm in it right there. And I'm not on the helper's side. Not that Jesus isn't with the helpers, but that Jesus is saying, I am more with the person who is being helped. So we've been reading this book, Toxic Charity by Robert Lupton. Um, and if you want to join, we meet on Zoom on Wednesday evenings, it's a lovely time. Um, and in the first chapter, he lays out this oath for compassionate service. And the first piece of that is never do for the poor, or I would argue for anybody, what they have the capacity to do for themselves. I live and breathe this because I live with a 4.75 year old. So, you know, one should not, you know, carry someone's rice checks bowl. One should not open the door. One should not zip someone's coat if they have the capacity to do it for themselves. And you will hear it if you do something that someone had the capacity to do. Uh, sort of it's a good it's a good example is obviously a trite example because for kids to identify their needs especially related to rice checks and seatbelts, is relatively straightforward um but for grown-ups especially grown-ups who have been through the world and the system that takes away their ability to articulate their needs because nobody has ever listened it's harder and harder and harder but jesus is saying in the story when i was hungry you gave me something to eat. A person expressed a real need that they had and then the helper met it. So Jesus is not saying, when I needed a house, you gave me your old clothes from your garage because you were trying to clean up. Jesus is not saying, when I was hungry, you thought I should have a job, so you gave me a counseling session, but I couldn't actually pay attention because did I say, I'm hungry. <laughs> Like Jesus, is, Jesus was saying, he used an example where a person expressed a need and the need got met. I say all that knowing that of course expressing needs is complicated. Like this is, you know, there's a reason there are therapists, there are spiritual directors, like unwinding what it is that we actually need requires work. And if that requires work for me as an individual situated where I am situated, I, can't, I honestly can't even imagine how complicated articulating that need is for a person who has been oppressed by many more systems than I have been oppressed by, let alone a community that has been oppressed by those systems 
let alone a community in crisis or after a disaster or in a moment of conflict. Like expressing these needs is so complicated. And that's where one of the things through work, one of the things our organization spends a lot of time doing, but again, I've always, because I've been so focused on the meeting material needs side, a huge part of the work we do is around facilitating dreaming processes for communities. Like, what does it mean? We train church leaders to lead the process. I'm like, what do we want? <laughs> like, do as a community. So sometimes that's about climate change. So if we're on a low-lying island in the South Pacific and the seas are rising, what do we want to do? Like, what is our dream? Not only as an I, but also as a we. Or we're a small community where famines come, seas come regularly and are coming more and more regularly. What do we want? Do we want to make more money? Do we want to protect our kids? Do we want to relocate? What's our dream? And it's not about my dream as the, on the funder side. So like, I want blah, 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 blah. It is how can we make space for, for the dream to happen at the community level? And how can we break through Again, not me, we, honestly, mostly them, we, break through all the layers in which brokenness has been put upon other people. Like the, the, we, the answer was supposed to be, we're, we're doing terribly. And if the answer has always had to be, we're doing terribly, it's so hard to wind back. What is my actual need and what is my actual dream? Like, what do I want? So Jesus gives us this story and he lays out our work in this story as hard and as straightforward as it sometimes is. Vulnerable people, some of us sit in that seat more often than others, articulate their needs and the helpers figure out a way to truly listen. It sounds simple and I hate it. I hate everything. <laughs> uh, especially as the one who wants to be in the helper seat. It's real comfortable to be in the helper seat with it with an urgency because as the helper asking over and over again did you have your dream yet did you have your dream yet that doesn't speed the dream along it doesn't speed the articulation of the need along to pressure people to come up with their dream faster and if anything it slips people into answering the need that they think that you want them to have which is that we're doing terribly and we would just like you to come save us, please. You keep asking, eventually you might get that answer. I suspect that's not actually the dream and that's not actually the need. And so when it feels really hard, which is every time I read this story, what I realized this week, and this is what led me to actually be comfortable picking it, is that Jesus's capacity is there. And I know I started there. Um, but in the passage, Jesus says, he ends with, Truly, I tell you, just as you did to the vulnerable, you did to me, meaning Jesus is there, which means when I'm doubting the capacity of the person to articulate their dream, I'm doubting Jesus's capacity to animate that person in that community. And perhaps we shouldn't underestimate Jesus's capacity to help people articulate what their dream is, and we just need to give some space. Jesus is there. So if we, if we go around that block a couple of times, 
what I was left with this week is no simple answers. And I don't think we're going to get to simple answers, but it's to center the dignity and the pace of the community that we're talking to and about and with. So if that's, again, these are not other people, the least <laughs> that aren't right here. This is a list of needs that are basic, but I've been sick and wondered if somebody would visit me. You know, I've been, there's a one time Elizabeth and I were hiking and we took dramatically underpacked and a person rolled through with a Capri Sun. It really did feel like it saved us <laughs> on the side of this mountain. Yes, there are some people that have these needs more often than others, but they're not foreign things separate from those of us that move through the world with more privilege. And so I'm left remembering, thinking this week, what it would be like if we move through the world actually seeing Jesus and Jesus's capacity and all of God's capacity in the folks of everybody we encounter. I don't think it's an easy ask, especially if it's our annoying relatives or our, our neighbors we struggle with or places that we've decided will always be problematic. But what if we actually saw that Jesus's capacity was there? And, and I think if we did, we might be a little more trusting. If Jesus's capacity is there, maybe that person can pick what color their coat is. If Jesus's capacity is there, maybe they get to decide how much lunch they get. Maybe they get to decide if they repair their car first or their house first after the flood. If Jesus's capacity is there, the choice needs to be with the folks who are actually impacted by these situations. So Lupton says we should never do for others what they can do for themselves. And I was reminded this week not to frame that as like an earning your help or a pull people up by their bootstraps kind of thing, but instead of seeing God's dignity in everybody and in all of creation. And so when we wanna help, we just start with listening to what people truly need and providing that, not what we wanna provide. And we need to see God's capacity in all people, even those struggling the most, even ourselves when we're struggling the most, in the most vulnerable. For just as you did to those struggling the most, you did to me, Jesus said. Let's as a community of hearts and minds open to this. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.